0: The reading is taken from John chapter 14, starting at verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, the title for our talk uh, this evening is Never Alone. As we continue Jesus teaching his disciples on the night before he died, teaching that he gave in the upper room following the Last Supper, and uh, with this for this week we have uh, the title "Never Alone" um, and uh, the whole question of comfort and uh, uh, and being able to cope with some of the disappointing times in life. We've all known times when someone we have depended upon was moving away. We remember how we felt, bereft, unsure of the future. This person had been helpful, Um, perhaps a home group leader, a kind individual, a generous boss, or a personal friend, or even perhaps a family member with a terminal illness. And you wondered, what life would be like when they or he or she had gone uh, and the disciples face a situation like this they're afraid of being abandoned by jesus he has just told them that he is going in chapter 13 he said he had come he said to them he had come from god and was returning to god And then later in that chapter, my children said, Jesus, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now. Where I am going, you cannot come. Jesus has given them much teaching, but they understand very little and are full of questions. Peter Chapter 13, toward the end, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Thomas, at the beginning of our chapter 14, uh, says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Philip, in chapter 14, says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. One more Judas, not Judas Iscariot, uh, in chapter 14 said, But, Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? See, an endless succession of questions why, where, how, what, and so on. Uh, And This is the situation in which they are uh, listening to Jesus in that final upper room discourse. And I'm just uh, going to divide it into three. Jesus comforts the disciples. Jesus teaches the disciples about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus does the will of the Father. First of all, Jesus comforts the disciples. This is chapter 14, verse 15 to 21. I'm going to read it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realise that I am in the Father and my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him." The disciples were finding it very difficult to come to terms with this idea of Jesus leaving them. They need a comforter in their grief. How then does Jesus comfort them? Well. Interestingly, he, as it were, hands on the disciples to someone else, namely, as we shall see, to the Holy Spirit. The first component of Jesus' comfort of his disciples is the promise of the Holy Spirit, that uh, when Jesus goes to the Father, which means he dies and goes to glory, uh, then. Jesus will ask the Father and he will give, give us, him, uh, he, he will give uh, them, I really want to say them, he, he will give the disciples uh, another advocate to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. So it is the promise of the Holy Spirit, which is the first thing that Jesus says to them here. And the word is parakletos. Okay, that's Greek, but it is a pretty well-known word. And it can be translated advocate, helper, comforter, uh, or counsellor. The Holy Spirit is all of these. I suggest that the sense here here is comforter. Notice, first of all, the... Uh, The personal pronoun. The Holy Spirit is he, not it. People often refer to the Spirit as it, but the Holy Spirit is he. Uh, He is Jesus in spirit form. And uh, he is, the comfort I'm suggesting is the uh, sense of Paracletos here, um, but the word comforter should not be taken to imply some sort of rather cuddly kind of um, uh, counsellor. No, it's not that at all. Um, uh, I'm reminded of the illustration which is often given of the meaning of the word comforter in these circumstances, in the, these passages. Remember the Bayar tapestry, as King William goes behind his troops, helping him to get going. What he's actually doing is gently prodding them with his spear and it says King William comforteth his troops and uh, um, that shows us perhaps what the meaning of comforter is, moving us forward in the battle. Uh, And other parts of the the verse um, to look at, another counsellor or another um, advocate, The word another there stands for someone just like me, another one just like me. And what is critically important is the, is the fact that the gift of the Spirit is dependent on Jesus' return to the Father. Verse 16 says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And his return to glory would be the moment when the Holy Spirit would be given. The gift of the Spirit would be a permanent gift, uh, in comparing with the Old Testament, when the Spirit came and went, came and went. Contrast to that, the Holy Spirit, being once given to the Church, uh, has uh, has never been withdrawn. He is. Um, a permanent gift of the Holy Spirit be with you forever, verse 16. Uh, It's not surprising, of course, in some ways that uh, the disciples may have wanted uh, something sort of more impressive. Surely they might have said, make a splash, appearances of Jesus might convert the world. Jesus does not encourage such ideas, he immediately corrects them. Uh, He warns them that the world cannot accept uh, the spirit of truth, because it neither sees him nor knows him. So it's no use thinking in terms of sort of hoping that somehow uh, some great display of something um, will move people to conversion, because the fact is, that uh, they, the world cannot accept him, cannot accept the, the spirit of truth, verse 17. The world system is hostile to the gospel and to the gift of the spirit, but the disciples are different, verse 17b. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. In contrast to the disciples, as compared to the world, the world system is hostile to the gospel, but the disciples know him, uh, know the, the, the Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, uh, they know him, and he will live with them and in them a stark difference between the world and the disciples. is something we need to come to terms with, isn't it, really? We all tend to want to be friendly to the world, and I'm not saying that we should not uh, be as warm-hearted as it's possible to be within the uh, various relationships of life, but um, the fact is that we've got to be realistic about what the world is actually like. The world is hostile to Jesus and hostile to Christian believers. And uh, it was always so and it will be uh, to the end of time, to the day of judgment when everything then will be sorted out. Uh, The disciples will receive the help. The um, world can't receive it but the disciples will. Uh, Look at verse 18. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. See, this is right on the issue, isn't it? The issue is, Jesus is going, what are we going to do? Uh, and Jesus says, I will not leave you. Yes, I am going, but I'm not, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So, um, it, it's quite clear that Jesus sympathises, as it were, that they could feel like orphans when he has gone. But the fact is that he won't leave them as orphans, he will come to you. Um, And our relationship to the Father and the Son is brought about by the Holy Spirit. So the the return of Jesus to glory uh, has um, defined the timing of the giving of the Spirit uh, and so it is that the relationship is brought into effect um, our relationship with Jesus, brought into effect by the Spirit. Uh, if you just look at chapter 14, verse 17, uh, I think I don't mean 70, I think 20. Let's look at 20. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me and so on. Now you notice that bit in verse uh, nine, in verse 20 where it says, you will realise that I am in my Father, I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. And there was a moderately famous preacher years ago, in the 1920s, he, he read one or two little books of interest, but um, he he had this expression for the sort of thing we're reading about here, the close relationship between Jesus, the Father, and the disciples. There is uh, a lot of encouragement for the disciples, comfort for them in this situation in which they face Jesus' departure. Then uh, further encouragement comes in verses 22 to 27, where Jesus teaches his disciples about the Holy Spirit. Let me read those verses. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me Will not obey my teaching. These words that you hear are not my own, they belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate whom the Holy Spirit will send, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, Do not give. I do not give you as the world gives, do not be. let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Incidentally, just notice that line, do not let your hearts be troubled, uh, is exactly the same as the opening verse of this chapter. Do not let your hearts be troubled what we're called to do, isn't it? We we can so easily fall into fears and troubles, but uh, we need to learn to turn from those and trust Jesus instead and believe in him, and not let our hearts be troubled. Now, Jesus will uh, show himself to the disciples, and again, now, of course, uh, as uh, we move into this point, we look, Jesus is in fact continuing the teaching about the Spirit. Um, he began that back at the beginning of the last section in verse 16. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. So um, the, uh, the uh, promise of the Spirit has been given. And Jesus has talked about that in verse 16, and now in verse 26 he is again talking about the Spirit, uh, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all, all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Uh, and that's a packed verse that the Holy Spirit, who is the Comforter and the Advocate, um, Will be sent, uh, he puts it, the Father will send whom the Father will send in my name. So he doesn't come on his own accord, uh, Jesus promises him, and then uh, the Father sends the Spirit to remind you of everything that I've said to you. So that, uh, there's just a reminder there that uh, people need a reminder, they need a reminder of the Word of God. You and I need a reminder, uh, so that we uh, don't lose the um, truth that we believe, uh, and uh, the Holy Spirit is able to bring about this reminding. This is how He uh, works in the um, in the relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit, and He will remind. The Spirit will remind. Believers of all that uh, He has said to them and what Jesus has said to them, too. I mean, this is a promise about Jesus' words uh, and recognizing their full agreement with the Holy Spirit. Um, notice verse 23 24, just going back a little bit, where Jesus says, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love him and will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words that you hear are not my own, they belong to the Father who sent me." So, again, it's making the point that the way to recognise whether someone uh, loves Jesus, um, anyone who loves me, he says, will obey my teaching. It simply is whether or not they, we, obey his teaching. Very clear in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And it's also in verse 23, uh, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, and the Father will love him. And it's also in verse 21, where he who keeps my commands is the one who loves me, the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them." Uh, so that love occurs many times in this context of obedience. Obedience to the Son is, um, is the true test of whether we actually love him. Uh, obedience is the test. So love and obedience are totally tied up and committed. Uh, And we are committed to both. If we know the Lord Jesus, then we love him, and our love to him will be shown by our keeping of his commandments. It's as simple as that. Uh, And we just need to be reminded, I read somewhere, claiming the help of the Holy Spirit, saying we love Jesus, saying we love Jesus is incompatible with a lifestyle characterised by disobedience. Uh, for believers, the Holy Spirit gives us peace. This is, as someone has put it, a, par- a parting parting gift, Jesus' parting gift to his friends. Uh, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. You sometimes get people who move house or something and they, they've been faithful friends over many years and they're moving out in the they take some little bit of furniture or something like this, and they say to you, no, "We'd really like you to have this. We, we would like you to uh, have this as a memento." Um, now, that's not quite what's meant here uh, by parting gift, but um, and some parting gifts, of course, are really rather rather a, uh, a, nu- a nuisance and not a great joy. Um, but. Uh, it just is a, uh, a reminder of the um, of the peace that Jesus gives uh, by his spirit we need to ask him to be taking control of our hearts and minds that we might have that peace ourselves and obeying Jesus so that we are uh, faithful to that um, and uh Yeah, obedience to Jesus' teaching leads to peace for those who receive it. The world's peace, of course, is very different. Um, And uh, there's a quote from this commentary here by William Cook, uh, who says, uh, "The peace the world gives is tied to circumstances. The peace, the, the, the peace the world gives." is tied to circumstances, when life gets hard and the world's peace quickly disappears. is finally on this point as an illustration of it, uh, a friend of ours who uh, went into hospital about two weeks ago um, with facing a major back operation to remove a tumour and yet she Showed the greatest concern that she showed in the hospital was not uh, how uh, um, she could be more comfortable or something like that, or concerns for herself or the the outcome of the operation and all that, which would might be a cause for real concern. But her primary concern was for the Hindu lady in the next door bed that she should hear about Jesus. That was her primary concern. I haven't heard whether. Bridget never got the opportunity to show her, but she certainly wanted to, and that is really lovely. So, uh, first then, Jesus comforts the disciples, second, Jesus teaches his disciples about the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we come then to the third point, which is Jesus does the will of the Father, and that's chapter 14, verse 28 to 31. I'll well, just read that. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you now, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. So the disciples, Jesus implies, should be uh, glad that he's going back to the Father. Uh, and he he doesn't give us an obvious reason, like at least at this point, um, because this means that you can have the Holy Spirit, or something like that. No he uses this rather uh, unusual expression, that Father is greater than I. You would be glad I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And uh, it doesn't mean a sort of superior um, position or something. Uh, Rather, I think what it means is, in terms of the uh, plan of salvation and the origin of... of, um, of the outworking of the plan. Uh, this plan is the Father's plan. And the Father is the one who has originated it and started it going. And Jesus had been the one who uh, who achieves it and who goes in obedience to the Father. And that's what he says here, that uh, he must, the, the world must see it. Well, they're only going to see it if they understand what uh, Jesus has done. We'll come back to that. So verse 29, I've told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. This is to strengthen and comfort them when he is arrested and crucified. They all forsook him and ran away, in fact. But uh, at least on reflection, the potential is there to see it, that uh, it was... For their strength and their comforting. Verse 30, I won't say much more to you now, for the prince of this world is coming, he has no hold over me. The final crisis is coming nearer. This is not a time for doing much more teaching. The devil is approaching. The um, final battle is to be fought. And the fact is that the devil approaching, hoping to be able to bring Jesus down in some way, he can't convict him of anything. The devil was permitted to hinder Jesus but couldn't accuse him because he had no hold on Jesus. He had nothing that Jesus had done wrong that uh, he could advance as uh, against him. Um, anything that he had done that he could have said to the uh, Father, you can't send Jesus because Jesus sinned doing this, that or the other. There was absolutely nothing like that or anything anywhere near it. Jesus never sinned. That's the wonderful fact. And uh, therefore the devil had no hold on him. All that will happen simply is that the devil who tr- will try to bring Jesus down uh, will simply fulfil the father's plan and to demonstrate the love for the uh, the son's love for the father in yielding to his will. Yes, and so the thing that he stresses here is that what has got to happen is to demonstrate the son's love for the father in yielding to his will. 1431 he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. That's what uh, has got to arise out of this, that the world may actually see that Jesus does exactly what his Father has commanded. We saw how obedience is the key, for example, uh, if you love me, keep my commands and so forth, coming a number of times in the in the Gospel at this point. Um, and the great thing is that, uh, on the one hand, that of course refers to the uh, the obedience of the disciples. But here, Jesus says that what matters is that people come to know. The great purpose then is a demonstration of the love of the Lord Jesus for his Father, and that what Jesus does, he does exactly what his father has taught him to do. The devil, on the other hand, will be defeated on the cross and will be seen to be a total failure. Well, we may have the same confidence that Jesus is encouraging the disciples to have. Key things such as faith and obedience is what brings this to us uh, and which is central to the three points we've looked at. Jesus comforts the disciples Jesus teaches his disciples about the Holy Spirit. Jesus does the will of the Father. This teaching is the key to our having comfort in Christ as we face an uncertain future or as we have to cope with disappointments in life that we never thought would come our way. Um, We have to be able to open our hearts and our lives to the Lord Jesus who went through so much for us and uh, Uh, whose obedience has uh, been demonstrated, his obedience to the Father. Jesus is coming back. He will provide further teaching. He has conquered the devil. We who believe in him will not be abandoned or left in an orphanage, but rather uh, we will go to be with him forever. Let's pray. We thank you Lord so much for the Holy Spirit and we pray that you will enable us by his power, pray that he may be uh, bringing your gracious strength to us, that we may live for you faithfully and that we may understand your Word truly. We ask it in Jesus name, Amen.